The World Tomorrow. Herbert W. Armstrong brings you the plain truth about today's world news and the prophecies of the world tomorrow. Now there is a reason and a cause for all of the troubles that we've had in this world. For all of the evils, all of the heartaches, all of the suffering, the violence, the murder, the crime, the lawlessness, the rebellion, the wrong attitudes, the unhappiness. And if I were to try to sum up one word, and it's what I think most people would blame it on, they would say human nature. Human nature has been the victim. Human nature is the terrible cause. And people think human nature is something that God Almighty created and put in us. Now, I might give you a, a quick definition of human nature. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, there are two outstanding definitions, one in the Old Testament and one in the New. There are many others, but these, uh, I think, just about summarize everything. In uh, Romans, the 8th chapter and the 7th verse, you will read that the natural mind of man, which is human nature, is hostile against God. Hostile against God is not subject to the law or rule of God, neither indeed can be. Now, did God create man in such a way that he would naturally be hostile against God and, and, and was unable to even be subject to God's ways of living? The others in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, where it says that the heart of man, in other words, his nature, the mind and the heart and the attitude of man, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I told you that there is the, the spirit in man, and I can't go into the scriptures about that in this particular program. There isn't time. But uh, let me say that here in the book of Ezra, the first chapter and the first verse. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, the king of the Persian Empire, that the word of the Eternal, by the mouth of Jeremiah, that it might be fulfilled, the Eternal stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Now, God wanted to get this king of, of uh, Persia to do something. He wanted him to write out a decree to send a certain number of Jews, a colony of Jews, back to Jerusalem to build the second temple. Now this was just 70 years after Solomon's temple had been destroyed and after the Jews had been taken captive and had been made slaves and taken up to Babylon. He stirred up the spirit that is in this man, this king. And th that's the way he communicated with the man's mind was through his spirit. The spirit is what imparts the power of intellect to the physical brain. And so then uh, that uh, Cyrus uh, would made a uh, proclamation throughout all the kingdom and put it in writing, uh, saying that the Jews should go back and, and, and build another temple. Now, I'd like for you to turn over into Ephesians in the New Testament. Paul was saying, in time past, you walked according, that is, you lived, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now there he's referring to Satan as the prince, Paul is saying, in time past, 
You walked according, not as you lived, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now there he's referring to Satan as the prince of the power of the air. The spirit, he is a spirit being, the spirit that now works, is now working now in the children of disobedience. In other words, Satan now, and this was uh, 4,000 years later than Adam and Eve, but Satan was still around, and Satan was still working inside of these people. How? The same way that God got a message through to Cyrus, the king of Persia. He got a message through through their spirit. He is the prince of the power of the air. I couldn't have understood that until I went on the air and began to broadcast myself. Satan broadcasts, but he doesn't broadcast in pictures. He doesn't broadcast in words. He only broadcasts in attitudes, in thoughts, in moods. He broadcasts in the attitude of get. He broadcasts in the attitude of hate others, but love your own self. It makes me think of that song back in 1924. Some of you have heard me mention this before. I have mentioned it time and again. It, it, it was a song that really hit the nail on the head. Uh, most of these popular songs are a lot of foolishness and ridiculousness, but this one really uh, had a point to it. It was, I love myself. Oh, I love me, was the song. I love myself. I'm wild about myself. I put my arms around myself and give myself a squeeze. Oh, I love me, but I don't love you. Now that is human nature. That's what's causing all of the trouble in the world today. Satan broadcasts. Human nature is not something God created in us. Human nature is something Satan begins to broadcast through the spirit that is in man and that they receive as soon as a little child in his first year of life begins to use his, his brain to think. Now, a child begins to think long before you realize it because they have to learn to speak before you realize what they're saying. And yet most children don't learn to speak until they're about a year older a little more. And uh, however, uh, their minds are beginning to work. And as soon as their minds work, Satan is getting in that attitude of selfishness. Like uh, a, a little child. Here's a toy, and there are two or three children, and each child wants to get it for himself. He wants to take it away from the other. He wants to have his own way. He doesn't want to do what mommy or daddy tell him. What is that that makes a child resent his parent? It's something Satan pumps into people. It is not something God put there. God didn't put a nature in us that we would uh, simply... Uh, by nature, just naturally disbelieve everything God says and want to go the wrong way. God did not put a nature in us that he created in us that made us hostile against him and impossible to be subject to his law. He didn't do that. Look, there's a striving going on right now between uh, some people that I know from Egypt and that I know from uh, from Jerusalem trying to work out a peace treaty in the Middle East. 
And there's a striving going on between those in the Kremlin and those in the United States and between communist China and Russia. It's a striving. It's a hostility. And there's hostility between nations until they have wars and nobody can get along with anybody because they have that spirit of get. That's what's wrong in the world today. But here it says we're not wrestling against just human beings, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness or wicked spirits in high places, Satan and wicked spirits in high places. And what they are doing to influence human beings and how Satan is getting that idea of get and he puts the idea of you can't do this instead of you can. Negative thoughts. Uh, he is the most disconsolate person that ever, uh, well, he isn't a person, but uh, more so than any human being. He is, he, he knows that there can be no redemption for him, and he knows he is wrong, and he can't do anything about it now. Because his creation is complete, and he's the one who sealed it himself. But the whole trouble in this world, it isn't people. They don't realize what they've been doing. Now I say we're going to have peace and we're here to look forward to a thousand years of peace. Human nature will be totally changed. Let me read that to you over here in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation. In the 19th chapter, you read of the second coming of Christ, the sixth verse, and I heard as it were, the 19th chapter of Revelation, a voice of a great multitude, uh, and the voice of many waters, and a voice of many uh, thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the eternal, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He's coming to reign and to rule. You don't hear Jesus Christ spoken of as a great ruler very often. They only speak of him as trying to get people saved, and they don't understand what being saved means even. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. We're here because God is going to marry his church. When the church is changed from mortal to immortal, when we're changed from human to divine, and we're going to constitute the kingdom of God when Christ comes. Now, one of the first things he's going to do when he comes is recorded here in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years were finished. Then it goes on and shows those who had been dead and are resurrected in a resurrection to immortality, the dead in Christ, and how they are raised and made immortal, just like, well, like angels, only now superior to angels, because they are the very born sons of God. Oh, if People who had governments like a president of the United States could only know what it does mean to be born again. What a pity that they don't understand. Jesus Christ said, 
You have to be born again to get into the kingdom of God. And he said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And flesh and blood, said, uh, says the Bible, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I'm still flesh and blood, and I haven't yet inherited the kingdom of God. But I am an heir to it. I'm an heir before I inherit. But once I have been changed to immortality, then I will inherit the kingdom of God. And then all of those who have been in Christ are going to come up in a resurrection. And they're going to reign and rule with Christ a thousand years. And Satan is going to be taken away and sealed. He's going to be put in the bottomless pit and shut him up and put a great seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years be finished. So we will have a time when there will be no Satan. There will be no one putting what we call human nature into people. Now you think human nature is what you're born with. Oh, no, it isn't. Let me turn back just a few little pages here in my Bible to 2 Peter 1 and verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Now these are promises that God gives us that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Those who come to God through Christ, who are really converted, and very few seem to know what that is, become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, God injects into us the divine, holy nature of God. We weren't born with it, were we? Well, Satan has been injecting into us what we call human nature all of these years. Why are we going to have such happiness in the kingdom of God that we're here to celebrate? Because Satan, the devil, will be gone. But the spirit of Christ will be here. And I could read you back in the 11th chapter of Isaiah. The uh, wolf also will dwell with the lamb and a leopard will lie down with a kid, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child will be leading them. And the cow and the bear will feed, and the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. In other words, it means hay. That's an old English meaning straw. In other words, they will begin to to eat on vegetation instead of raw blood and raw uh, animals as they do now. And then they'll become tame. And this is the way it's going to be in this wonderful millennium that we're here to celebrate and get a foretaste of. And the suckling child will play at the hole of an asp, a very deadly snake, but it won't be deadly any longer. And uh, the weaned child will put his hand to the cockatrice's den, another snake. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the eternal as the waters cover the sea. The whole world will be as full of the knowledge of God, and people will begin for the first time to believe what God says as the waters cover the sea. And that is what we're coming to. And that's why we're going to have such a wonderful time and a wonderful millennium that is just ahead of us now in the kingdom of God. And God is calling some to prepare for that now. Now, brethren, a few things I want to say to you. 
in closing, the first of a number of new books is out. Now, God has opened to us a new door, another new dimension entirely of a means of getting the gospel to the world. There are millions of people that throng into bookstores in towns and cities all over the world buying books. The average home has a lot of books in it, and some people read lots of books. There are millions of them who do. So the first of the books, The Incredible Human Potential, is already that book I regard as the most important book that has been written since this word here, the Bible. Because it is the Bible in a new form. That's what you might say. It is putting the Bible into the kind of language people understand today. Now, in the Bible, God was not a very good scholar. Uh, At Ambassador College, we got a lot of scholars in who had had their PhDs from the big universities, and they're taught that everything must be done in uh, uh, an orderly, scholarly fashion. And so uh, everything is outlined one, two, three, and A, B, C, and one, two under A, and uh, three and four, and so on, in that kind of outline, a systematic outline. Well, the Bible is not a systematic theology project. Did you ever think of that? The Bible itself, you will find, let's see, where is that? The 18th chapter, is it, of uh, Isaiah? I forget the exact chapter. Anyway, that God gives us the truth here a little and there a little. Line upon line, line upon line. Precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. You read a little. The beginning of the Bible is not Genesis 1-1. The beginning is John 1-1 in the New Testament. And the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And that was that might have been millions of years before Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. That was creating physical matter. And that was a long time later. He created the angels before he created matter. Oh, there's so little understanding. This Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. If you ever worked, they were popular back here. When was it? About 30, 40 years ago? I don't know whether any of you remember those or not. But uh, a jigsaw puzzle, it's it's all confusion at first. But if you get it put together right, you you have a very beautiful picture usually. They always try to make it a very beautiful picture. Well, that's the way the Bible is. You have to get a part of it here and a part of it somewhere else and put all on that same subject from the different places in the Bible together. Now, that's what I've done in this book. And I've gone back to the beginning and shown what God is. Now, there's another book that I've just finished writing, and it'll be on the bookstores next spring. That book is on seven proofs that will identify the one and only true church of God. Seven proofs. Number one, who and what is God? Now, what is religion? Religion is the worship of God or the supernatural. And of all of the religions, there's just this one church of God that knows who and what God is. Now, that's going to be an eye-opener for you. Next, God is a creator, and how does God create? That's the second thing. 
He creates everything in dual stages. I said something about that this morning. You know, that's the way he created man. He didn't make us full and complete. He made us to need, as I said, another spirit. And then we have to acquire the nature of God and get rid of this thing we call human nature. And finally, then we'll be made complete in a resurrection. So we're not all there yet ourselves. <clears throat> now, the third proof I come to is man. What and why is man? Of all of the religions and all of the sects of Christianity, not one knows what a man is except this church. They don't know what man is. They don't know why man is and why he's put on the earth. They don't know where he's going and they don't know the way and they don't know why he's been so unhappy and had all these troubles. All right, that'll be proof number three. Number four is Old Testament Israel. God never gave them any chance of salvation. Only the prophets had the Holy Spirit of God. Israel as a whole had no chance. Why then did God have that nation Israel? What was his purpose? There's no other church that understands it or knows it. And we haven't had much teaching of that in this church, and we're going to have a lot more from now on. The whole mission and purpose of ancient Israel. Now, let me see. That was four, wasn't it? Number five. What is the true gospel? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Today, you turn in on Sunday morning and you get a religious diet. They preach, they say, the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, all they're preaching is a gospel about Jesus Christ. But the gospel of Christ is the gospel that Christ preached, and they, they don't know what that is. They don't proclaim that. There's only one church that knows what is the gospel. And that's this church. Does that shock you? The others, they don't know what is the gospel. They don't know what salvation is. They don't know whether it's going to some place or change to a certain condition or where or what or why. They don't know anything about it. Now, number six comes to the church. And of all of the churches that call themselves Christian, there's only one that understands the church. Why the church? What is the mission of the church? Why did God have the church and all about it? Now that includes the name of the church. God's true church keeps the commandments of God. And when I saw that over 51 years ago, I said, well, as soon as I saw that the one true church, I didn't know where it was, but I said, it'll have to be a church that is keeping the commandments of God, and that narrows it down to three churches. The Seventh-day Adventist, the Seventh-day Baptist, and the Church of God Seventh-day which then had its headquarters at Stanbury, Missouri. But I went a little further and I saw another thing is that Christ prayed that the church would always be kept in the name of the Father, God. It is the church of God. And that cut it down to only one, and that was this one, the church of God at Stanbury, Missouri. I didn't tell you the seventh one of these proofs. The seventh is the condition as it will be in the kingdom of God. 
and showing how it will be and what we're here to get a foretaste of at this festival. And that makes the seven proofs and how the world will be organized and how things will be on earth for that thousand years. And God's church is still together and it's going to stay together. And we're going to go on to the greatest victory. For more information, please visit our website at www.coglittleflock.com.